There's a spelling mistake on that one. Well, we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of Judges and chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Judges chapter 15? And we're going to read from verses 9 through to 20. The book of Judges is the story of the nation of Israel after they have entered the promised land and they are yet without a king. David has yet to come to the throne, which he will do in the the book of 1 Samuel, two books uh, after this, or one book in the the Hebrew Bible, because Ruth is really a part of the book of Judges in Hebrew thought. Uh, But at this stage, there is no king and everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And so God raised up judges, deliverers. When we think of a judge, we think of someone with a curly wig who's in a law court. But that's not what the Bible means in this context about a judge. In other places it might do. But in this context, it means somebody who's like a a ruler, a, a, a leader, a temporary ruler until the kings come. And so we're going to begin reading uh, uh, verse 9, a part of one of the judges, Samson. Verse 9, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The men of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner, they said, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Don't you realise that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramath Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength was restored. So his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called Enhakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Please keep your Bibles open there. 
Now, strong men are nothing new. There's been strong men down the years, and some of them have been really outstanding. There's a man in, in Austria by the name of Franz, Franz Muller, who has the world record for rolling over cars. Now, I never knew there was a world record for that until I bought the Guinness World Book of Records. But uh, apparently, rolling over cars is one of the strongmen feats. They have to pick it up at one side and roll it completely over. And he rolled over seven cars in just five minutes. And having tried to move a car uh, like that recently, I think that's pretty amazing. There's a Chinaman by the name of Yang Yuyin who has uh, the ability to split rocks, uh, bricks like kung fu, karate. And his world record is splitting 10,000 bricks with one hand in seven hours. What an achievement. But I think the prize has to go to Kevin Fast. Kevin Fast from Canada, who's 51 years young, okay, he pulled a Globemaster plane which is heavier than more than 50 elephants. He pulled it 29 feet by his own strength back in 2009. Uh, he said, I was completely exhausted. He said, he started off pulling it and for 45 seconds, nothing happened. He was just pulling and pulling and pulling and nothing was happened. He said, I was completely exhausted. I couldn't feel my muscles anymore, but my mind just took over. I pulled with everything that was, uh, I was worth and eventually it started moving. And he moved, as I said, nearly 30 feet back in 2009. Now, the interesting thing about this man is he's a minister. He's a church minister. And uh, he said, I believe it's a gift from God. And he said, when God gives you a gift, you use it for the good of others. And he does these big strongman feats to raise money for charity. Well, he's not the first strong man who had a gift from God for strength and a man who used his gift for God's work. That would be, first of all, Samson in the Bible, the strongest man ever. And uh, Samson was a man who was a, a man of many failings, but he was a man of many strengths in more ways than one as well. And in this part of the story of Samson, we see especially the focus is on Samuel's strength. And uh, I want us to have a look at this this morning because, you know, strength is exactly what we need. There's people here today who've got great challenges ahead of them in life and you need strength to face those challenges. There's family needs that require strength. There's work needs that require strength, ministry needs that require strength. And one of the things we learn about Samson was Samson got his strength from God. Hebrews 11 lists Samson as one of the men of faith, who by weakness, whose, by faith whose weakness was turned to strength. And I thought it would be a help to us today to consider Samson's strength and God's strength for us as well. And I want you to see three things about Samson's strength. Just a simple message. I want you to see his strength was restrained in the first part of the story. In the middle part, his strength was released when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. And finally, his strength was restored at the stream. First of all then, Samson's strength was restrained in verses 9 through to 13. 
And here we see Samson's strength in an unusual way. You know, we always tend to think someone's strong because they have the power to pull or lift or fight or do something great. And Samson especially is known for those mighty acts. There's ten acts of strength of Samson in the four chapters of his story. But one of the aspects of his strength that is often overlooked, and Samson gets a lot of bad press sometimes, is actually his restraint. Because when they came to him at the rock of Etam, uh, we don't know exactly where that is, but we think it's in the Judean uh, desert down in the area of Simeon, uh, the tribal area of Simeon, for those of you who know where that is, that's down more down towards the desert area uh, in the southern end of Israel, going down towards the Sinai, what we call the Negev. He was hiding there in a rock after his wife had been killed by the Philistines and he had taken revenge by burning their fields and when they came out to fight him, he beat them uh, and defeated them in an act of God, uh, uh, beating the Philistines when they were outnumbering him and he killed them, as it says in the King James, hip and thigh. (laughs) He he really did uh, leave them so they were unable to get up and run away. Uh, And he goes down to the rock there to hide at the rock of Etam. And the Philistines come up against Judah because of Samson. And they want him handed over. So the men of Judah come to Samson to bind him. Now this is a very pitiful part of the story of the book of Judges. Because Judah was the tribe that was meant to lead Israel into battle. The very first story at the book of the beginning of the book of Judges, the children of Israel are going into the promised land. They said, who shall go up first? They pray to the Lord, who shall go up first? And God says, Judah shall go first. Well, at the other end of the story of the book of Judges, at the far end, they've so backslidden away from God that now they're not the ones who are going up into battle. They're the ones who are handing their leader over to the enemy to be killed instead of them. It's a real sad situation. And they come, uh, about 3,000 of them, down to the cave to uh, uh, arrest him, as it were, tie him up and hand him over. It's a very sad picture. It's the only time that the numbers of the men of Judah is listed. And you have 3,000 here. And it's a sad thing. This is not 3,000 men gathering behind Samson to fight the Philistines as God had called him to do back in chapter 13, verse 5. He was to start the, the, the deliverance of the Philistines and David was to finish it later on. But uh, he, they didn't come and gather behind him. They gathered to hand him over to them for the sake of peace. Now, when they do this, they bring these ropes to him and they tie him up. Later on, we read that they were ropes that were like flax. Now, flax is one of the strongest man-made uh, fibres there is. And when it's wet, especially, it's virtually unbreakable. So they, they come with these rope fibres, uh, which are uh, made especially at harvest time, which if you look at the beginning of the chapter, it was harvest time, verse 1. And uh, they come with these ropes and they ask to tie Samson up with it. And he allows them to do so. They, he says to them, uh, all swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves in verse 12. Now that wasn't because Samson was frightened of them. That was because Samson didn't want to turn and fight his own people. 
He only wanted to fight the Philistines. And so he allowed them to tie him up. And it says at the end of verse 13, so they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. You know, what an illustration that is of Samson's restraint, allowing himself to be handed over for the other people. Do you realize in this, actually, Samson is a type of Christ. He's a type of Christ. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 18 was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And a man called Judas, or Judah, the man of Judah, came with the people from the the leaders. And they bound him. That's what it says, literally bound him. And they took him. And what did they do? They handed him over to the Romans to be executed. And as Caiaphas said in John chapter 12, it's for the good of the nation. Don't you know that one man dies instead of the rest of us? And uh, these were the very people who said, we have no king but Caesar. They were saying what the Philistines, what they said to the Samson about the Philistines. Don't you know the Philistines rule over us? Don't you know the Romans rule over us? We have no king but Caesar. It's better this man dies than the Romans get upset. And so... His being tied up and handed over is very much a type of Christ, a picture of Christ. You know, the Lord Jesus could easily have broken those ropes. (laughs) He could easily have slain the men who came to him. In fact, when they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am, they all fell back. (laughs) They were all slain in the spirit, (laughs) but in the true way, not the false way. (laughs) They fell back under the power of God and They weren't able to do anything until they got back up again after he released them. And uh, he allowed himself to be taken, to be crucified for our sins. So Samson's restraint here makes him even a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see more ways in which he is so in this chapter as well before we're done, I hope. But, you know, I, I want to say this, dear friends. You know, when we're talking about strength, this is one of the parts of strength we need to pray for, isn't it? For restraint you know anyone can lose their temper but it's having the ability to hold it that is the real test having won't power not willpower (laughs) saying i won't do it i won't get upset i won't react you know generally speaking they say people come in two types of temperaments we're either like gas rings on a cooker or we're like electric rings on a cooker And if you think about it, they both heat up in different ways. A gas ring, you turn it on and it's full flame straight away, isn't it? Some people are like that. They're they're hot and they're angry straight away. And sometimes like gas cooker as well, they turn off immediately. Others are more calmer and warm up slower, like an electric ring getting hotter and hotter over time, but they're slow to get angry. Well, that's the type that God wants us to be. It says in the Bible to be slow to anger because that's what God is like. He's slow to anger and he's gracious. And I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody here this morning. I know I'm speaking to myself. You know, the the need to pray for God to restrain us in our strength, in our temper. Anyone can lose their temper, but we need to hold it back. And uh, it reminds me of a story I heard once of uh, uh, a, a lady who was in church one day and she had a little boy with her. And while she was in church, the little boy fidgeted around and the, uh, the pastor at the front got very upset with this child and said, young man, you're in church, remember where you are. And if you don't want to be here, go home. 
And then he turned to the congregation and said, the devil's here today. And an old man at the back said, yes, and he's not very far from the pulpit. You know, that's so possible for all of us, isn't it? I mean, how did you feel when the children were a little bit restless today? Did you feel a little bit agitated? We all get like that sometimes in our hearts, don't we? We need to pray, God, restrain me. Let me know the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. That's real strength indeed. So, that's the first type of strength we see in Samson. Samson's strength restrained. Secondly, we see his strength released in verses 14 through to 17. Because in verses 14 to 17, we see how God came to Samson and helped him. It says in verse 14, As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him, shouting, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Uh, Some years ago, back in 1999, there was a fascinating story in the paper about the American sprinter, Morris Green. He was at an airport in Spain uh, and he got his pocket picked. Unfortunately for the man who picked his pocket, he felt it and as the man ran off with his wallet, (laughs) Morris Green pinned him down in seconds. Talk about pick on the wrong person. You know what? That's what the Philistines did when they came against Samson. They thought they saw a man in weakness because he was tied up with these ropes. But what they didn't know was that God was with Samson. And for all his faults, he was God's anointed leader of the people of Israel. And he had a relationship with God. And as it says in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Do you know what? The secret of Samson's strength was not his long hair. That's often what you hear people say in Sunday school stories. Oh, Samson was strong because he had really long hair. God told him to grow his hair. That wasn't the secret of his strength. That was the sign of his covenant with God. His secret of his strength was the Holy Spirit who came upon him in power. You see, friends, this world is ruled by forces you cannot see. I'll show you something fascinating I came across in a book. Have you ever heard of the sailing stones? The sailing stones are stones in Death Valley in Nevada and California, which when they go out to this this, uh, vast desert, there's no footprints, there's no car tracks, but these stones have moved over miles and miles and miles on their own. And nobody knows how. Some of these stones are huge boulders. People say, oh, it's the wind. Really? I mean, how much wind does it take to move a boulder miles in, in an exactly straight line? It's a very strange thing. My theory is that, that perhaps they're being drawn towards some magnetic force. Perhaps there's uh, some metal in the, in the rock. That's put, but nobody knows. <laughs> there's a strangeness about it, isn't there? And this world has forces at work which are unseen. And the greatest force is the force that's on the side of the people of God. The spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the invisible member of the Godhead who came on Samson and gave him great power and, uh, and helped him against the enemy. And at this point, Samson's strength was released. 
Now, when this happened, you'll notice there was uh, some amazing developments. There was the breaking of his bonds. Uh, the bonds were broken uh, when, the, when the spirit came upon. Actually, I ought to say, by the way, the Philistines saw Samson. They came charging towards him, shouting. That reminds us of the lion back in chapter 14, who suddenly sprung on Samson, roaring. And the devil is like a roaring lion when he attacks. But the signs of strength here for Samuel, Samson were his bonds were broken. They became like charred flax. Uh, the, the Hebrew says literally they melted. They, they just vanished, almost like they vanished under the power of God to break those ropes. And later on in chapter 16, Samson uh, was uh, telling Delilah about the ropes that couldn't hold, hold, that he told her could hold him, but actually they couldn't because the power of God was so strong. You know, when the Spirit of God comes on a person's life, the bondage is broken. The bondage is broken. So many things in life are able to bring us into bondage, you know. Even as Christians, sometimes we can find ourselves trapped in sins and difficulties. Someone says a bad habit is like a soft, easy chair. It's very easy to get into and very hard to get out of. Have you ever sat in one of those chairs? It's like a marshmallow and you sink down into it. And and it's very difficult to get out of it. Sometimes sins can be like that. Mark Twain said, giving up smoking is easy. I've done it hundreds of times. <laughs> if you think about it, it's an admission, isn't it? But when the Spirit of God comes, he has the power to break the bondage. This is what uh, the book of Galatians teaches us. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a wonderful thing, the power of God to, to break bondage. All bondage can be broken By the power of God. We don't have to stay slaves to sin forever. The Son will set you free and you'll be free indeed. There's the success of his strength we see in verses 15 to 16. Because when the ropes were broken we see he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Now this is a rather strange part of the story isn't it? A jawbone of a donkey. Now, the uh, Hebrew is actually not fresh, but moist. This is an animal which has recently died. And if you can keep something moist in the Middle Eastern heat, that's an achievement. So this is something that hasn't long happened. There's been an animal die, and this is a carcass of an animal. And actually, Samson, if you know much about the story of Samson, he was what's called a Nazarite. And according to Numbers chapter 6, the Nazarites weren't supposed to touch dead bodies. It broke their Nazarite vow. It it was ceremonially defiling to them. But Samson had already done that when he touched the dead body of the lion. And here he picks up the jawbone of a dead donkey. We don't know why it's there. Perhaps it had been killed by a wild animal. The rock of Etam means uh, a a den of wild animals. So maybe it was... uh, because there were wild animals in that location at that time. We don't know if it was there because of some ritual purpose perhaps offered by the Philistines. The name of this hill where it happened is called Lehi, which means Jawbone Hill. 
So perhaps this was here because they'd offered sacrifices that were not known in the Levitical law, but animals like donkeys offered by the Philistines. Perhaps it was there because of that. Or perhaps it was there because an artisan was using it to make things. They, they, they know from the archaeological record that we used to use bones for fishing hooks, for pieces in a game, uh, or for making tools and things like that. And so perhaps it was there being dried out. Whatever reason it was there, it made a formidable weapon in Samson's hand. And he picked it up and he slew a thousand men with it. Now the power wasn't in the jawbone. A jawbone of a donkey is only about nine inches long. The power was in the Holy Spirit who came on Samson for this victory. And God gave him success over multiple enemies. You know, I find huge encouragement in this. Joshua 23 verse 10 tells us that one man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. That's one of my go-to verses when I'm feeling overwhelmed by priorities and demands. I've got a thousand things to do. One man of you shall chase a thousand. You say, well, that's just hyperbole. It's not hyperbole. Samson showed it was real. He personally slew a thousand men in this battle when they came against him. And interestingly, I think Shamgar in the book of 2 Samuel also did the same in the same place, which is an interesting uh, uh, reoccurrence. But it was a success given by the Lord. And he actually wrote another little riddle for it. Samson's famous for his riddles and poems. Verse 16, then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And what we have here is a little poem that's based on similarity in the Hebrew words here. Uh, Warren Wisby explains this. He says it's based on the similarity between sounds of the Hebrew words hamor, which means donkey, and homer, which means heap. Those of you who use the King James, remember it says heaps upon heaps, like he stacked up these dead bodies. James Moffat renders it, with the jawbone of an ass, I have piled them in a mass. With the jawbone of an ass, I have assailed assailants you get the idea it's a pun it's a play on words and Samson makes this victory song about it uh, with the Hebrew words God has given him a great success you know what that's one of the things that can happen when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and when we're looking for God to prosper his work or help us in our lives for service to him we need to remember, we can't do it on our own, our own strength. We can't do it by our own batteries. We need the Spirit of God. Remember, this is one of the great lessons. I had some tapes years ago when we used to listen to sermons on tape. And they were tapes by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on revival. And one of the things he said about his observations in revival is that when revival comes and the Spirit of God falls, he says, men are able to do more for God in, in a few days than over whole years. And you know, it has to be true. When you read the history books, when, the, when revivals have happened, the number of sermons ministers have to preach uh, uh, and the number of souls that have to be counseled, it's staggering. But God gives the power and the strength. We need to look to him for that. 
And if we want to be strong Christians, and if we want Union Chapel to be a strong church, we need to pray for the Spirit of God. And pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And pray for his moving among us. When Samson did that, uh, had that victory, he no longer needed the support of his strength, either in verse 17. It says, when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Rameth Lehi. Now again, we have a, a play on the name, because Lehi is the name, but Ramath means heights. And Samson saying, this is a hill called, Je- called Lehi, but he said, I have height, lifted up high, the jawbone, <laughs> swinging it around. And so he gave it a new name. But he threw away that old donkey's jawbone. He didn't need it anymore. You know, there's a lesson for us in that as well, isn't there? Sometimes we, want, we get very attached to things that God never meant us to get attached to. Oh, that donkey's jawbone. Oh, what a, what a sacred jawbone. It was a horrible, manky old jawbone. It was a tool for a job. But you know what we're like sometimes as Christians? Oh, well, we've always had that jawbone. That job, we can't afford that. If we're going to stay fresh in God's work and power, we've got to throw away the things that are not needed to keep moving on. We don't throw away the things that are needed, but we don't have to hold on to human props. And Samson knew his strength wasn't in the jawbone. His strength was in his God. And so that's where we see the release of his strength. And dear friends, I want to say this to you. If you need strength today, and some of you do, seek the Lord for the outpouring of his spirit that he may give it to you. His very presence alone is enough to draw near and strengthen you. When Selwyn Hughes, the Bible teacher, had uh, his wife was dying of cancer, he would, she would spend a lot of time sleeping. And Selwyn said this, prior to her death, my wife spent many hours sleeping. At first I could steal away to my study and work after she had gone to sleep. But she told me on one occasion that even in her sleep, she could sense whether or not I was there. Just being there, she said, just sensing you're at my side is more of a comfort to me than I can ever explain. And Selwyn used that to explain the role of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, which in Greek means the one who comes alongside. The presence of God alone is enough to strengthen us and to help us through like it was with Samson. So look to the Lord, he will not fail you. And thirdly we see here Samson's strength restored in verses 18 to 20. And this is uh, really the climax of the story for me. Because it says in verse 18, Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakor. And it is still there in Lehi. Now, after the Lord had given Samson the victory, the strong man becomes weak. Now, does that surprise you? It shouldn't do. Because you know what? We tend to think, God makes me strong, I'll never be weak again. (laughs) 
Well, guess what? You will be. You will be. And what we need is God to constantly restore our strength. And Samson, even after this great victory, which he had had by the power of the Spirit, he became weak to the point of death. In fact, I would even debate whether or not he was on the verge of death and may have even crossed the line and came back. Because in the Hebrew, it says that when God opened the, the, the well, his spirit returned to him. This is a death and a resurrection. Samson was given over as a sacrifice for his people and then he was restored later on. And by the way, what was the cry of Samson? He said, I'm thirsty. What did Jesus say on the cross? I thirst. Verse 18, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. Now, Samson needed his strength restored. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the demand that led to that weakness. Think of the demand. Samson had been in battle. He said in verse 18, he said, you have given your servant this great victory. And you know, sometimes after a great victory, sometimes after a great demanding act of service, we become weak. Think of mighty Elijah. Was there ever a man of God like Elijah on Mount Carmel? Standing against 450 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah. One man against the whole lot. And with one simple prayer, he showed that the Lord is the living God. What a mighty victory. The fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. The people cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Eliyah, Eliyah in Hebrew, his name. That's what it means, the Lord is God. And they, they, there was a massive work of God. The, the backbone of Brave had been broken by that miracle. Do you know in the next chapter how you find Elijah? Oh God, take this life from your servant. I don't want to live anymore. You know why? He'd become weary and worn out after the demand of that battle. This is what can happen. And Samson himself was acknowledging the fact that God had helped him have that victory, but it had left him tired. Think of the danger of his weakness, because in verse verse 18, he goes on, Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? One of two things were going to happen. Either Samson's body was going to die and be found by the Philistines and then put up in their temples as a defeat of the Lord uh, to the glory of their false god Dagon like they did with the body of Saul when Saul died on Mount Gilboa. Or Samson was going to be in his weakness found by those soldiers' partners who came back. Because where were those thousand men who never came back from that, from that mission they were on? They would have come out looking. They would have found Samson in his weakness and they, were, they would have killed him. Samson knew there was a great danger in his weakness. And I want to say this, dear friends. Oh, sometimes after we serve the Lord, sometimes after something big, we're weary and weak and there's great danger. There's great danger. You know, I'll give you a personal testimony. I find Christmas is a big evangelistic opportunity and I have to work up to it and I build up to it all year long. And sometimes, in fact, one of the first Christmases when I was here, at the end of the Christmas Day service, everybody else went home. That was the right thing to do. And Heather and I were just packing up here, and I just broke. I just sat on this stage, and I wept from exhaustion. It was huge. 
And you know what? The rest of that day, I was disorientated. I really was. It just taken it all out of me. And yet the battle wasn't over. Sunday was coming. I still had to be ready for Sunday. And you know, this is the danger, isn't it, of weakness. It takes it out of you, and yet you've still got to get up and fight again. A mother knows this. She gives birth to a child. And the husband says, the worst is over. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, you wait. <laughs> the real work begins when you get home. And the things start crying five times a night, and you've got a broken sleep. You need that strength. This is a big thing. Well, praise God, the deliverance of the weakness comes. Samson cried out to God. He did the right thing. And the Lord opened up the hollow place in Lehi. Can you see the picture here? Jawbone Hill opened up. The jaw opened. And water rushed out. God opened the mouth and poured out the water for Samson to drink. It was a miracle like the miracle he did for the children of Israel coming out of Egypt when they needed water from the rock. God provided miraculously for Samson and he quenched his thirst. And it says when Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. Do you know what? That's what God can do. He can restore our strength when we call out to him. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, call out to the Lord who gives strength to his people. Psalm 86 verse 16 says, Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Isaiah 40 verse 31 and actually verse 29 to 31 can be taken. But verse 31 says, But those who hope or wait in the Lord will renew their strength. And the promise in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How grateful I am for this story of Samson and his strength. The God who gave it to him. And he can give it to you and me as well. So in closing, let me say the words of a hymn. In the common round of duty, lift thy heart in praise, for the Lord hath such surely, has surely promised strength for all thy days. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. Amen. Let's uh, close.